Good morning. This is the 8th of March. Yesterday I couldn't record because, as you know, I was in my exam and then I came home pretty late. So um, today we're going to take off from where we left. I got the feedback from you that uh, the last uh, recording that dealt with the um, conjugation um, for each uh, personal pronoun and trying it with different words, for instance, fakirim, fakirsin, fakir, fakirsinis, fakirler. You said that uh, felt very difficult. I didn't explain it well. I'm not, a, as you know, a professional um, Turkish uh, linguist teaching foreigners, obviously, but I feel like it's one of those things where um, since... I mean, before this point, you were memorizing words for their own sake, like balık is fish. I mean, that's great. But um, communicating using a language will require um, you to be able to make meaning. What about the balık? Who ate it? Where was it? What's Is it good? Is it bad? So it's um, all these comments, all these meaning-making that I believe make language significant now if it's very different um the use of a language compared to your native one i can understand it might be weird obviously it's not like italian where you might as a spanish speaker intuitively understand um so it's not like that but so i figured that i was gonna come up with a list of um why learn Turkish and how you would benefit from learning Turkish. So I hope this would uh, boost your energy. I came across um, another book um, that is called Teach Yourself Turkish, a complete course for beginners online uh, for free, written by Asuman Celan Pollard and David Pollard um, as a UK book and I will benefit from its introductory list uh, of why I learn Turkish and then in another podcast to make up for yesterday I will also record some more information. So why learn Turkish? Learning Turkish you will be able to communicate in Turkey 80 million people. Yes, we are 79.9 million people right now as we speak. I believe some people are reproducing and with the Syrian refugees assimilating, living as Turks, this number is also increasing. I mean, there are people who are living there, not registered, what have you. So it's a decent number of population. We're not talking about a country of... Uh, 500 people so it's it's a really you know big population and obviously my grandparents my mom my dad all the people you might want to actually communicate also are um exclusively um, using turkish so also a few million people indigenous to northern cyprus bulgaria romania and other parts of balkans also speak turkish so turkish is a door opener in these um, areas And um, also this book notes a few million members of recently founded Turkish communities in Australia, Belgium, Britain, Germany, Holland and other Western countries. They also use, I mean, you know, this huge uh, Turkish population in Germany, 
um, in in Holland and what have you. So um, so I would I don't know the exact number. So I, but I wouldn't be surprised if it reaches to hundred and thirty million speakers um, um, that speak all these like all the very Turkish as we learn. Um, they are Turkish diaspora like myself or they're living in Turkey or they are part of Turkish communities outside of Turkey but there is also something even more interesting because there is over 100 million uh, speakers who speak Turkic languages they're not Turkish from Turkey but uh, they are Turkic languages which you can understand for instance there's a country in Caucasia called Azerbaijan There's also Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. So these these countries use Azeri, and Azeri, I understand 90% of it. I can follow through it, they can understand me, I can understand them. Kazakh, Kyrgyz, Turkmen, and Uzbek could be a little um, bit further, but I'm talking about the difference between Catalan and Castellano. So like at the end of the day you will get it. So they are, you're talking about access to all these uh, countries too. And so what else? There is in Duolingo, um, a forum on, you know, why to learn Turkish and some Turkish learners also mention, which is, I also think is something that I've told you, but obviously Turkish is a language written in Latin alphabet. I emphasize we don't use Arabic script and it's pronounced as it is written which makes it easier uh, to learn the pronunciation says a user called S.G. Miller and um, so obviously if you want to learn about the culture tool language is a big uh, step to to enter so some features of Turkish what well, I'm going back to the book I just mentioned I'm going to read it uh, line by line because I think it's well written. We have some good news and some bad news for you. The bad news is all related to the fact that Turkish is simply different from Western European languages. So don't be, you know, offended or don't be annoyed when you don't intuitively know. That's like imagine Turkish as a Rubik's Cube. You don't intuitively know which way it should go. But um, once you figure out the pattern, it's going to be sensible let's it says uh, the book says let's look at the bad news first it says turkish uses vowel harmony a feature unknown to english speakers i believe vowel harmony is about when i say you know sometimes the u changes into e and u changes into u to make the harmonious sound but i mentioned like i did yesterday in person This is something that is similar to using tildes, losing accents in Spanish. If I write contaminación without the accent, it's not like you're not going to understand a word. Of course you'll understand, but obviously if I am presenting myself as an advanced user of Spanish on a B2, C1, C2 level, then of course... Um, not using till that makes me look bad but regardless there's gonna be no problem with understanding and this could be even more interesting where English uses a separate word Turkish use often adds an ending to an existing word what do I mean by it 
So let's say the phrase, I think I told you about this before, just because you were shocked, I remember. But um, for instance, the phrase, you will be able to come. In, you know, in English, there is the word you, there is the word will, there's the word be, there's the word able and to and come, right? In Turkish, this is all one thing. And that is gelebileceksin. Gelebileceksin. So where English adds meaning to the verb come by placing other words in front of it, Turkish adds meaning to the verb gel, gel is to come, by tagging endings into it. So gel is attached to ebil, which is ability, ecek, and that's will, and sin is something that refers to you. The technical word for it, which I don't think you care, is agglutination, which means sticking bits together. So Turkish is that kind of language, uh, so is German. But, um, you know, Spanish is not such language. I don't believe it. So, um, um, so the... Endings, the vowel harmony is what uh, it's one of the things that you you struggled and I told you like with the tilde it's not that important as in it's important but I think it's something that would come with uh, with time. So the book says to help you when you agglutinate in Turkish, which means that um, to create vowel harmony, most of the endings usually have to rhyme or harmonize with the word you're adding them to my parenthesis out of the book. Of course, it's common sense to me to be able to hear what is harmonious, what's rhyming and what's not. You have to have a feel for the language. And unless you study it for, I mean, study it sincerely for a period of time, you don't know what's harmonious, what's not. It's just gonna be some sounds in the air. So don't uh, harass me about it. Don't harass yourself. Just uh, accept it and hope that with time, just like for me, with time, till days, accents and Spanish words will come. So it's for you. Um, it's going to feel natural, hopefully. In order to be able to rhyme like this, the endings have a number of different forms. There are two types of endings. E endings in Turkish is E. For instance, España, that kind of E. E endings which contain the letter E. They have two possible forms. For example, the ending le can be either le or la. And you might ask, like, why? when is it going to be le? When is it going to be la? And I just have to see the word. There, is, um, two, there are two things like büyük ünlü uyumu and küçük ünlü uyumu. But that's things that even like high school kids might have... Uh, difficulties explaining or looking they will just know naturally what it is but they will um, you know they won't be able to know it through a formula but very you know simply some vowels prefer to go with other vowels and vice versa so i endings i like isla e in turkish i endings which contain the letter i they have four possible forms for example the ending iyor can be iyor, iyor, uyor, or uyor. So, i, u, u. Again, which ending, which attachment you're going to make will best 
will be based on which word is attaching to. So this book says the neck lies in knowing which of the two or four forms to use. And uh, this will come and I will do more podcasts about this. Um, another section deals with the word order. This is also something we discussed long ago, but just so that you also have it recorded. The basic uh, word order in Turkish is, for instance, in English, the woman the book read. Chinese is also very similar, I believe. So you don't say the woman reads the book. You say the woman the book read or read. So the subject, the person, or thing performing the action comes first. The verb, the action verb comes at the end. So don't put the verb right away after the person. And the object, the person or thing having the action done to it comes in between. So the basic order is subject, object, verb. So literally when you want to say um, the woman read the book in Turkish, you would literally say the woman the book read. Then there is uh, some keys here in this book about vocabulary building. I mean, vocabulary is something that a learner of a language should dedicate herself or himself to each and every day. I don't care if you speak that language for 10, 20 years. I still regularly learn new English words. Uh, they come to my mailbox or I look at uh, dictionaries or when I read nice articles in New York Times or what have you, I come across words that don't you know, I don't know them well enough so that I need to check. So please, if you're sincerely dedicated, try what you can to dedicate yourself to uh, learn uh, words. Here, the uh, suggestion of the book is guessing the meanings of words is good fun, they say. So gazete means newspaper and gazete g when it's G attached to gazete means journalist. So eski means old and eski G means the guy who sells old things, rag and bone men, it says. So yes, that's true in that if you have a relatively longer word, there is a very good chance that you can cut the word in pieces and the original, the root of the word will mean something. And just by adding to that word, you are creating new meanings that are somehow related to the origin of the word. So um, that this was the first section that meant as a pep talk. And I will go further. I hope it helps you.